welcome to another awesome show. You've reached Tina at your backup plan app at Talking Taboo with Tina podcast. How, well, how is everybody? Welcome. If you are new here, please like, share and subscribe just down here in the corner button so that you get notified of any new shows coming up. We have an awesome show today coming to you from St. Petersburg, Florida. And she is going to talk about the pain of grief, finding purpose in her pain. This is going to be such an awesome show. Um, I can't talk enough about grief. So stay tuned on this one. I'm going to have a short commercial break and introduce Dr. Amy Tafelski in a short, brief second. You know, um, anybody new here that doesn't know Tina, I am a creator and developer of your backup plan app. I'm a best-selling author of In the Blink of an Eye, just like snap of your fingers, your life changes in a split second. And we have to be prepared or not be prepared. That is the big question. Um, financial advisor and an emergency preparedness coach so that we are better prepared for what might come our way. Now I say might because we just don't know what and we don't know when, but we do know that something will. We just don't know when it will and what it would look like. It could be a wildfire. It could be a sickness. It could be an accident, a work accident. It could be a hurricane where we lose everything. It could be, um, I, I mean, the list could go on. It could be the pandemic. It, be, it could be all sorts of things. And it's to be best to be prepared. It could be even dementia, where you're incapable of making these decisions when you wait too long. And so I tell everybody, no matter what your color, no matter what color of hair you have, what color of skin you have, what your name is, what color of eyes you have, how old you are, it doesn't matter. It's best be prepared because you don't know what tomorrow may bring. So saying that, let's get on with our commercial, a, a quick short commercial break, and I'll see you back here in a quick second. I did it. Am I the only one that gets excited when it works during Mercury retrograde? <laughs> I swear I am. <laughs> welcome, welcome back, everybody. I have a special guest coming to us from St. Petersburg, Florida. I'm just going to bring her on, Dr. Amy Tafelski. Oh, there we go. Hello, Amy. How are you? Hi, Tina. I'm so happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Awesome. I'm happy to have you too. You know, um, Dr. Amy is a integrative soul coach. That is a hard thing to say. I don't know what's going on with me today. Um, it's just so different, I guess. And, you know, there's life coaches and all of these other things, but a soul coach is, sounds so wonderful. Um, where did this all start for you, this whole journey of yours? This um, really all started with the loss of my mother five years ago. Um, I've been in the mental health world for 10 plus years and I lost my mom after a very long battle with cancer uh, about five years ago. And 
though I was 42 at the time, so middle-aged, it was still a loss that really shattered me into bits. Um, And even with my mental health background, I, um, it really just shattered my sense of who I was and set me on a path to digging very deeply into my own soul healing and putting myself back together after having all the parts of me shaken up. You know, it's, it's kind of um, ironic because I used to ask my life insurance clients, well, when I go to bring a check after somebody passes away and Mm -hmm. I'll ask them, during the contract time before that, I'll say to them, what do you think you would do? Would this be enough money for you to get through this journey that you would now be on with one of you passing away? And they always think it's nothing, that it's fine. And after I bring a check by, it's very interesting, I found it's almost like I wanted to do a research paper on it because of what I found was everyone is different. Some people set up a table and had a prayer and have a candles and have all sorts of get gadgets and things like that on a table. And other times people don't even want to go back to the house. They don't want to have anything to do. They don't want to go in the bedroom. They don't want to go and then other times that, you know, when it's a younger person, they'll have their room and nothing will be changed out of it for years. Yeah. So it's very funny how everybody's different. And we really don't know, like you said, being in the mental health world, you don't know how you're going to react to this. And for you being in that field, and then you knew it was going to happen because she had cancer at some point. Mm-hmm. You're still not ready. It's just the strangest thing. You don't know what's going to hit you. Yeah. Yeah. I'd, I, um, someone asked me maybe six to eight months before she died, how long I thought I would need to take off from work. And my answer was, Oh, two weeks. Um, and that, you know, for the job that I was doing at, at the time as a therapist to hold space for other people, and be the container for other people that was just impossible that I had no substance. So I couldn't be someone else's substance. So uh, two weeks didn't even scratch the iceberg. No, you're probably better in the first two weeks than you were after <laughs> yeah, <the laughs> because it's like a shock time. It was like the tasks, right? Like how yeah. to uh, get things in order, close up, you know, whatever, like get the funeral done and tasks. It was all the tasks. Those were easy because they were sort of in order. Um, like there, there's like an order of operations to them. But once it comes to, oh, uh, my, I don't know who I am in this world without a mom. Uh, that's the the deeper work that you have to, or that I had to really turn my attention toward and dig into. Yeah. And who would ever know that? Right. Because we think we're, we're fine. And, but what I found is when something tragic happens, it's a shock to your system in some sort of, sort of way. 
And I find that um, part of your brain disappears and, and all the stuff that's surrounding that tragedy fills up that brain of yours. And so when you said you can't talk to any other people about their stuff is because there's no more room in your head. It's like, that's why you don't even know what to eat when you're going, when you're really grieving after a shock, you don't, you're not even hungry. You don't know what you want. You don't know where anything is. You, you just, your brain doesn't work. Yep. That's yeah. I found that to be very true that I had a tremendous amount of brain fog thinking was really challenging and um at the time i was going through uh, graduate school to get my doctorate so um i was very aware of how much my brain wasn't working <laughs> yes and instead of the other way around <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah <laughs> that's crazy so after doing that then um what do you think it brought to your whole relationship with your own relationship and, and everything else? Um, I really, I, I ended up taking 12 months and going on um, a healing, a soul healing journey. And really uh, what I found was after my mom died that like there's this feeling and maybe you've experienced it, this feeling of sort of like the world is the same except who you are in the world has fundamentally changed. And our culture doesn't really create space to fully feel into your pain and grief and like attend to it, right? Like if you skin your knee, you would uh, clean it and you'd put a Band-Aid and maybe you wouldn't, uh, go running that day or something, right? Like you would attend to the pain. Um, but with grief, we don't, our culture really presses for you to get back to business as usual, right? Like to, to stuff it, to put it aside and uh, doesn't really create space for feeling, feeling the loss, feeling the pain, feeling the change that comes with it. Yeah. So I took 12 months um, and really dedicated my time to my own healing journey and ended up exploring it and investigating it for my doctoral dissertation and writing my dissertation about it so that um, then I could pull it all together and deliver it to other people in similar situations. That must have been very healing for you, though, doing that. Yeah. Yeah, it was. Um, I is a combination of first letting all the pain in, feeling the pain. And then um, there's something about a loss that shatters you, that allows you to notice things that are like discordant, right? Like, so all the threads of who you are are separate. So when you look at the full picture of who of all the things that make up you you can see oh this thing doesn't match me it's it's not really mine I can release it or oh there's a spot here where I I'm like missing a piece of myself right like maybe because of past trauma or something 
cultural message, whatever. Um, but you notice all the, like you, because you're like in such disarray, you can notice these things and release what doesn't serve and reclaim the lost bits and um, kind of weave everything back into wholeness. So I've become extremely passionate about this work and about uh, really revolutionizing how uh, women transform after loss. And um, I know I've, I've had him on as a guest. I've been on a guest on his podcast as well. And I know men go through a lot as well because they have to be portrayed as tough and why is it bothering you? And I, I remember my own mother, you know, that older generation who would come to me and she'd say, snap out of it, Tina, snap out of it. Well, you don't just snap out of it. All right. There's no snapping out of anything. And you don't know how long it's even going to take your little brain to do anything. <laughs> it's like yeah. it has its own brain. So it's it's. There's no saying it could take you a month and you'll feel better. Or if I'd love to say to a friend, you know, in a year, you'll be better than new. Mm -hmm. But there's no saying that. No, it takes as long as it takes to do whatever healing stuff that you need to do, which is individual to who you are and your past and your present and how your relationship with the person who's passed or the thing that you've lost. I mean, it could be a home, a career, a, you know, it could, not only a, a death, but lots of things. Do you think it revised you in an occupation wise? Did it change you? Yes. Um, I'm, I'm now not so much in the mental health world anymore as I am in the soul coaching world and really uh, helping people reweave their own soul back into wholeness after loss. Um, so walking people through a journey similar to the one that I've taken to help them find their way back to themselves and figure out who they are in the world now that they've lost whatever it is that they've lost. Do you think, were you, did you have a close relationship with your mom? I, if you had asked me that before she died, I would have told you she was my best friend. And um, once she died and I really explored things, I learned that my relationship with her wasn't as deep as I wished wanted it to be or thought it was, right? Like, I, I think it was more surface than I ever knew. And um, I mean, even to this day, that makes me a little sad. But, well, and um, I, you know, I talk about regret, you know, yeah. people are going to regret things. And I don't know how you can change that except living in the present. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think, um, I, I think, I, I'm not sure that my mom ever, and, and I think uh, it's a generational thing, at least a little bit, but I don't think that she, um, ever really knew herself authentically. Uh, and so I don't think it was possible for me to have 
like for us to have a depth to our relationship because I think in order to go that deep you need to know yourself to know your inner truth to know who you are authentically and so um you know I've I've had a long history of dedicating myself to authenticity and growing it in myself and even my whole therapy practice has always been dedicated to helping people find their way back to their authentic selves and I think that's long been my mission because um I don't think anyone ever helped my mom do that so um you feel that's what you can give back yeah for sure yeah how did you how do you think it affected your relationships your husband your kids um the death the death or the yeah I um my husband after my mom died my husband she left somewhat of a mess in her home <laughs> her in her uh finances and her whatever um it, it wasn't as bad as it could have been um so she did do some prep but I think uh my husband and I are, are have shifted the way we think about it and we've spent a lot more time already uh writing a lot more things down and getting our wills in order and our um under health directives and all of the things and talking to our kids about it. And um, really, I, I think the more, the, the more able you are to just grieve after the loss of someone, the, the better. Easier. Yeah. It's so much easier. And so it's a gift we want to give our kids, right? Like to yeah. make sure that they can grieve one or the other of whatever both of us in and create it creates space for their feelings right for them to have their feelings and grieve the way they need to grieve without worrying about getting things in order like so it's a to me it's a gift to them to get as many things in order as possible to organize our home as we get older that we don't have a lot of clutter and we don't have a lot of things that they're gonna have to um wade through and throw away and I, I'm yeah I just want them to be able to um feel what they need to feel and attend to their uh pain and not worry about that as much as possible not worry about the other stuff especially as the person is getting sicker yeah. I find um it, it gets harder and harder to do those things I remember I had a client call me sitting at the edge of her mom's bed and saying Tina I don't know where her bank accounts are and she won't tell me Yeah, because she just keeps saying, I'm fine. Nothing's going to happen to me Yeah, because they just don't believe that they are going to pass away. Yeah. And I think um, my mom was definitely in that place, even in the hospital in the last few days, uh, she was thinking she was coming home, which still I find puzzling yeah Um, I mean it's good for to be uh positive about the situation of course Mm -hmm. but I find with some people even then it's still difficult to be present with them to get this information because if you wait too long anybody listening out there if you wait too long 
when you start seeing signs of someone getting sicker or changing, dementia is a tough one because you don't know where they're at in that stage. But otherwise, it's difficult. Do it before something happens. Do it before they get to that point because they seem to dig their heels in after. And mm-hmm. there's no there's no changing them. They just don't see it the way you see it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't, I don't understand it, but because we see it on the outside, but you know, they don't. Yeah, for sure. And how has it changed your relationship with your husband and your children now or, or during? I think we talk about it more. Um, we talk about the potential of our, demise. I mean, uh, my husband and I both ride motorcycles, so uh, that's a risky hobby. Yes, sure is. Uh, so I, you know, we, we've talked about the kids. We've, you know, we've, we have two cats. So we've talked about, you know, like one of the kids can take the cats and we've left them specific money to take, you know, like, um, and I don't, we, we hadn't had those conversations uh, before my mom passing. And now we have them more specific and more often um, because again, I think it's a lot of people are afraid to have conversations like that thinking it's morbid, but to me, it's a gift. Uh, it's a gift. Sure is. Them. I talk about it's the biggest gift you can live, leave your loved ones mm-hmm. by being better prepared. And um, I, I find it somewhat strange because I know I've talked to people that ride bikes and, and it's not so much, they think, especially men, think they're Superman. So nothing's going to happen. You know, why are we having this conversation? Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, I don't know why something has to happen tragically before we realize it in our own lives. Yeah. You know, we can watch it in a movie. We can talk about it with your friends. But to really realize that it could happen, it mm-hmm. takes something happening. Yeah, it's unfortunate. Um, and I mean, that's part of living too, right? So, yeah. Yeah, and it's much easier to have a friend, I think, to make it reali- realization in that way, but it's hurts harder when it's your own family. Mm-hmm. Um, if you can experience on a friendship level and going and helping them and, and have it realized then it's much easier to change. But um, yeah, I talked to a lot of people where things have happened only because it takes something before someone says, I need the app. I need to get better prepared. I, don't know where to start or I, you know, cause we don't know what's going to happen. We don't know. No. Um, so wh- what did you find uh, with your mom? Did it affect your kids at all? Or did, you know, cause I find it affects everybody of the household differently. Um, well, they're my stepkids. So um, they had a different relationship with her than they would have had she been their birth grandmother. Um, But I think, I mean, I'm sure it impacted them. I don't, 
necessarily know how. And uh, for those 12 months after she died, I was in a pretty deep well of my own. Yeah. Well, I was in my own healing journey. So I, um, I was less present with those around me at that time. Yeah, because it hits everyone differently. Mm -hmm. How do you find it now after five years? Um, I am excited about offering this journey to those that need the support and the framework and structure to guide them back to their own wholeness. So I think um, I still miss my mom. That will never change. And I still think of her always. Yeah. yeah. And do certain little rituals, uh, mostly involving baking things um, to honor her at various times of the year. And uh, yeah, it's changed it, it's changed my um, entire career path. I've I've since completed my doctorate, obviously, and um, like I said, all of my research was dedicated to exploring my own healing journey and to um, packaging it up to help other people walk their own you know, to offer a framework for other people to find themselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yep, exactly. So I'm, um, yeah, it's shifted my passion and my focus and how I show up in the world. And I think, have you worked with ones, people that have lost their own children or child? I have not um, specifically, no. And how about a spouse? Have you? worked with anyone with that because I think they're all I wouldn't say one's worse than the other because they're all terrible um different but they're different yeah yeah they're yeah it's all it's all different I think the I think it comes back to for me like the idea of a loss that creates a shattering of the sense of self. So you can have that in a bunch of different ways. It can be a parent, it could be a child, it could be a spouse or a partner, it could be um, the loss of a long-term career or a long-term relationship, or even finding out that your partner was having an affair, right? It uh, upsets who you know yourself to be in the world. And so there becomes a journey that you can choose to take to figure out who the new you is in the, you know, who the you is in this new world for you. World, Yeah. Because betrayal hits hard and it probably brings up all sorts of feelings. Mm -hmm. And so that's in itself, its own little grief journey. Yeah, definitely. And if you don't heal that, what can happen? I think it uh, squirts out in various different ways, right? Like we suffer as a culture so many 
physical illnesses that are related to stress and not processing emotions. Um, and so the more space we can give to our emotional pain and process it and feel it and let it be and make friends with it and all of the things, the um, better our physical health and our mental health is. I don't like my friends sometimes, and I wish I could have a switch and turn it off and on when I want to, mm -hmm. but I haven't found that switch yet. Yeah. Anybody out there find that switch yet? You know, it pops its little head out when you don't want it to. Yeah. And it could be even a really fun thing that you're going to go do. And it's like, gosh, just go away. <laughs> yeah. But I guess yeah. it's recognizing that it's there first, right? Yep. Recognizing, giving it a little space to be how it needs to be. Um, which is different than I think a lot of people think that or are afraid that once you give space to an emotion, you'll drown in it. And I think we can um, give it a little bit of space and step away from it and just acknowledge it and let it be there without, you know, sort of like dipping your toes into a pool. You don't know the temperature. You're just going to dip your toes. You're not going to walk up to the pool and jump right in. Yeah. Just giving a little space. I think um, when we get these feelings, we're, it probably hits home with other feelings that we've tucked inside. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. a lot of people don't want to look at those things. Yeah. And we turn to addictions, usually mm -hmm. is what happens. Alcohol or drugs. Mm -hmm. And it's easier to do to cover it up than it is to bring it out in the open and deal with it. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, uh, I, unfortunately, we have, well, there are a lot of messages we get along the way that uh, kind of push us in that direction, like stuff your pain, it's not okay to feel sad, or it's not okay to feel this or feel that. And um, when you feel that way anyway, then it, you know, you want it to go away. Yeah. You want like an eraser where you could just erase yeah. it. Because I, I imagine losing your kids would be, you know, a child is just horrible. And mm -hmm. I don't know if it's worse on the woman or the man, the mom or the dad. Um, different. It's just different again. Yeah. And depending on what they've had in their life, I guess. Mm-hmm to what they need to try to handle. Mm -hmm. um, I knew a lady who worked at the bank and she was a manager and she went back to work after two weeks. And I said, how can you even do that after losing your baby? Like after losing a teenager. And she said, I just want to keep my mind occupied. Yeah. So that could be like an addiction issue as well. Because I mean, it's, it's certainly, um, um, you know, st stuffing down your feelings and um, I mean, but distracting yourself from that level of pain, you know, makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and 
good for her that she's able to do that because I don't know if my brain would have the capacity yeah. to be able to work um, and, and have things in my head to be able to process mm -hmm. because it just feels like it just fills right up, like almost like a shopping cart when people are shopping <laughs> and the, and the store only allows you like, you know, a hundred items and you just keep on shopping. Yeah. Um, but it's kind of like that because you, you have to take stuff out of your shopping cart before you can buy any more mm -hmm. or not even buy, but have them in your cart. Yeah. So I'm trying to use that as an example of filling the stuff gets filled in your head and then you don't know how to get it out so that you can have your life back, I guess, per se. Yeah, I, you know, I'm a giant fan of Alanis Morissette and her song, um, which I can't remember the name of, but uh, the chorus is the only way out is through. So it's sort of like, um, for me, it's always been about kind of walking through the curtain of my feelings to get to the other side. <clears throat> and it, I wonder why we're so panicky about feelings and emotions. Like we just, we're just so bad with it. Um, yeah. I mean, I think it's a big cultural messaging, right? Like we are given message after message about bad emotions and um, suck it up, get over it, move on, don't cry, all the things, right? So many messages um, and very few messages that are, you know, attend to your pain, make space for whatever's happening inside of you be present like those are messages we have to intentionally seek out yes and i find everybody deals with it differently mm -hmm. yeah some people want to get busier and they just get busy just to avoid mm -hmm. it yeah some people just want to like me i i would just want to feel it and go through it and not do anything. I don't want to, I don't want to do anything. It's so weird mm -hmm. how everybody's so different. Yeah. Everybody's so different. And um, it's, I, I think the number one thing I hear from people in grief is that they are afraid they're doing it wrong. Um, and so I think, you know, if you are taking care of yourself and not doing things that are causing pain or destruction or damage to you or those around you, then uh, your way to grieve is your way to grieve. Right. And so you would accept pretty much anything. I mean, again, barring harming, doing things that har are harmful to you, your life, your family, your surroundings, your... Yeah. Yeah. And, and we hear about these crazy things. I guess people don't deal with um, shootings and somebody gets a hold of a gun and decides to shoot their neighbors like they did last week because they asked them to be quiet. Mm. Um, I, I think there's so much, there's so much stuff that we all live with that we don't even realize that is bothering us until yeah. something tragic happens definitely definitely
Do you think it affected your husband, even though it was your mom? Yeah, I think so. Um, I mean, how can it not? First off, I mean, even if just because he was watching me in pain uh, and um, men trying to deal with it. (laughs) Yeah, trying to deal with it, trying to figure out how he can help me, but there's really no way to help, right? Like in those situations, you just have to kind of watch it, watch me go through it, right? There's no way he could help or do anything and fix it, right? There's no fixing. Um, So, yeah, I mean, so he, you know, and he, I'm an only child, so he was uh, instrumental in everything we had to do for house closing up and all of the other things. So um, that helped in its own way too. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what people are looking for. So anybody listening out there, you know, we're, we're looking for support and no judgment and emotional support and physical support when you have to actually do something and clean up something or get stuff together or whatever. But I think it's the emotional support that we all strive to have. Yeah, definitely. Uh, um, Emotional support is a lifeline. Yes. Because I think, you know, people say, well, I'm so sorry that happened or whatever. Um, That's all well and wonderful, but what you got for me? what 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 do you what does someone grieving do with that yeah yeah I don't I don't know or Mother's Day coming up does that hit you hard um a little bit it it's it's not as bad as it was right like it's a little different every year um but I also don't like I don't try to anticipate how it's going to be. Sometimes it randomly hits me on a random day or a specific day like Mother's Day or my mom's birthday. And sometimes it doesn't. It, it's whatever comes. I just give it space to be and um, acknowledge it. Yeah. Acknowledge it. Accept it. Allow it. Uh, do what I need to do to take care of myself. And honor my heart and my soul in whatever way I'm feeling called to at that time. Mm -hmm. And I think people need to realize that they are capable of doing that. Mm -hmm. Even though they might not think it, um, maybe not going to that party that night is just fine sitting on the couch and watching a movie or a comedy to, to change the, the environment. Yep. Maybe not going to do something that you had planned to do is okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I think that we're all, we have all these expectations and especially I find it difficult when people are planning things and you have all intentions of going or doing that. But then when the day comes, you don't feel like it and that's okay. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm glad you brought that up. I think um, I, I think that was kind of, I, I did not feel like being, you know, in those first like probably 12 months or maybe even longer, I did not feel like being with 
large groups of people or in a party situation. And um, I said no a lot. Yeah. Yeah, and that's okay. Yeah. Even yeah. though I kind of said to myself, okay, like I'm sure other people are doing, is this just me being silly or is this really the way I'm feeling? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I think this is a, it's a good um, it's good to have an experience of knowing what your like how your inner truth works and what it feels like in your body when something you know like just taking stock of your inner landscape so you know like oh yeah this is what I really need tonight or this is like me not wanting to put on pants or whatever. Yeah, and just rolling up in a blanket and mm -hmm. yeah. being okay with that for tonight yeah. Yeah. while everybody else is gone up and got fancy dresses and clothes and going mm -hmm. and dancing or something. Mm -hmm. um, what would you suggest for people to do then? Um, oh, I, before I forget, I'll make sure I add Amy's information is down below in the description box to get a hold of her as well as you had a special um gift for I a link. I, I do i have a, a free gift it's called the untethering loss care package and it's three audio journeys to bring you comfort when you're feeling lost and alone um and this is useful even if you don't have a recent loss but uh, i think after the last three years we can all maybe use a little bit of comfort a little bit of extra comfort uh, right now. So the feeling um, of loss, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so it's a free gift and um, there's a link. You'll, you can sign up for the email list and you'll get the access to the free gift. And yeah. Awesome. All right. I'll make sure I add it after the filming is finished. I'll add it uh, down below and Thank also you. make sure you like, um, our video and maybe share it with others that you can help by giving some information that someone's grieving. You never know when it might help them. You might, they might just get one little thing. If, if Amy and I can help one person in this movie that we're doing, it is my goal in every show. If we can help one person with one thing that they can do or get out of it or change, then we've done our job. Um, but, you know, I'm thinking um, we always get stuck in this grief and how do you pull yourself out of it when it's days upon days? I, I, I think we all need a little bit of light at some point, you know, and you think, well, maybe tomorrow I'll feel better the next mm. day uh, maybe tomorrow i'll feel better i i just don't know um personally i watch Shit's creek over and over again <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> i watch but friends I, <laughs> I, I think we all have our our own uh happy show um i, I think if you are so far down that you are having trouble functioning in daily living 
for days and days, then um, that that might be an indicator that it's time to um, find a good therapist, psychologist, um, someone that can help you uh, come back up a little bit and start the journey to healing. Yeah, because it's always just a start. Mm -hmm. Is there an ever a finish to it? Not for me. <laughs> um, I think, I, I mean, I, yes, I'm always learning, always growing, and always becoming more of myself. Is there anything that stands out with your, what work you do now that could be helpful to someone listening? I, um, I think, I think it's really important to make space for your pain and your emotions and, um, allow, allow yourself to feel what you feel when you feel it. And yeah, I think that's the number one thing we don't do. And, um, yeah. When people say there's stages of grief, do you think there is? I don't. And um, psychotherapy has moved even off of that uh, sort of the stage model and into various different models. But um, stages are easy for people to understand, but I don't think it's a healing is not linear. It's. Um, yeah. Uh, <laughs> There's a, a lot of, uh, you know, yarn in a ball. So <laughs> yeah, it goes down and then, oh, don't want to see that right now and go back up and do this. Yeah. Uh, it's just like a cycle. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And do you, do you think that if you were totally healed, do you, do you say you're pretty much healed now? Because you're helping other art. I guess we always keep healing a little bit from what we do, but. Yeah, I think, um, so what I like to say is that I'm in relationship to wholeness, right? So I went through this soul weaving journey, which is um, the program that I'm offering to others. And um, so I've, I've done this for myself, done this work and continue to do healing work. And I would say that I'm in relationship to my own wholeness, where like I can notice when something is a little bit off and then I can uh, attend to whatever's happening to sort of shift myself back into deeper relationship with wholeness and authenticity. The I would say that I don't have a gaping wound, right? Like I've, I've done all the work that the, the wound is closed. Um, I'm not bleeding all over the floor. Yeah, yeah. Like my 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 soul wounds are um, closed and attended to, and in relationship to wholeness and authenticity. And also, sometimes I still miss my mom. Yes. Well, it doesn't change. Do you think um, if something happened to her now, after doing the work you've done, would you grieve differently? Mm. I think um, I 
would take myself through the journey again, but I, it probably wouldn't take 12 months. Um, I think my foundation is more solid and my um, attunement to my own wholeness and authenticity is stronger. Yeah. So I'll be easily more easily able to say, Oh yeah. Okay. Here's this, this, uh, let me like, you know, weave this, unweave that, release, pull it back together and yeah. Can see it better. Um, mm-hmm. Do you think there's anything said about people that cry a lot from losing someone to someone who doesn't? I think some people um, more easily cry. Yeah. So it just fine. if you cry, that's fine. If crying is not your thing. Okay. Yeah. Just don't let anger come out instead or something else that of, of I mean, that. If there's other things squirting out, then that, that's going to be something to um, explore and pay attention to um, maybe with the help of your therapist or something, some, mm-hmm. you know, another type of healer person uh, to help you process whatever's going on. How do you find a good therapist, Amy? Um. Because there's lots out there. And let me tell you, it's not all what it's made up for. Um, I would look at, uh, well, I mean, you can, you always can start with Google because Google has the most information of anyone. Um, You could ask friends and family if they've, uh, you know, ask your network, pull your network if they have good recommendations. But I would, if I were looking for me, I would go to um, Google and look at different people's websites and pay attention to which ones resonate for me and try to get that person on the phone and see if their talk is still resonates with me or if it doesn't really resonate. And um, yeah, take it from there, set up an appointment and see if they're a good fit. And if they're not, move on. Um, you don't have to stay with a therapist if it doesn't feel like a good fit. You can, you know, it's important. Fit is important. So find someone who's a good match for you. And I think that's the hardest part when you're grieving is to resonate with somebody. I think it'd be nice if therapists said all the things that they've dealt with in their life Mm. so that they might have a better understanding you know, like if it's say divorce or relationships or dating or grief or, you know, you know, those kinds of things. It, and they don't always have it on their websites. Yeah. Yeah. We're, we're talking talk about well, themselves. No. Yeah. We're taught, we're taught to be a blank slate. <laughs> Although yeah. that's kind of shifting in uh, more recent years, thankfully. Um, but yeah, that's been the prevailing sort of theoretical framework for a while. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think I don't want to know all the degrees you have. I don't care what schooling you've done. Like, I just want to know if you can help me. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Like if you resonate with me and you're going to not make me cry every time I go to counseling or therapy or something. Right. I mean, I might make you cry. It might. <laughs> it yeah. Might. I- you know, if you have unprocessed emotions that comes out, you know, that might come out in tears. It might not. Yes. But there should be some sessions where you're actually feeling better from the session. Don't you think? I think it de- it really depends what your 
everyone's different and everyone's history is different and everyone's desires are different. Uh, I would love for there to be joy in therapy. Yeah. I'm a big proponent of joy. So, uh, yes. Um, and yeah, it's all dependent on what you're working on. Yes. Um, I mean, we could talk about this forever. Um, because there's just so many facets of it, I think. Mm -hmm. And there's so much stuff that we all come with before the tragedy happens. Mm -hmm. That makes it even more difficult. That's what I've gotten out of your discussion today, especially. Yeah. And um, to look at those things and deal with them. What final messages would you like to give the listeners? Uh, I think healing is possible. Uh, Profound healing and transformation are possible after a profound loss um, when it's time, which is not, you know, when you're a puddle on the bathroom floor. Yes. And if you could find that switch, boy, oh boy, you know, and I think, I think recognizing what's happening to yourself, you know, that morning when you wake up and you just off and you're not sure what, or the day that, you feel like you could cry in your hair, like all your emotions are just sitting on the top of your hairs on your skin. Yeah. And then it doesn't take much. It, it could be like the grocery clerk saying, have a merry, have a merry Christmas or something. And, and you're just like, Oh God, right. you know, it just, you just yeah. never know what's going to trigger it. And yeah. I think that's, that's when you realize that you've, for me, I think you've realized that you've gotten through, to the next stage or the next part is by Mm -hmm. recognizing that feeling, Mm -hmm. recognizing what triggered you Mm -hmm. so that you can become more aware of it so that you can heal it or you can give it space. Because I I found it so difficult when it just happened and you didn't even know what was going on. Yeah. Yeah. I I think, um, it's important to note, right, that like there is that feeling, especially right after something has happened that like of just not knowing who you are in the world and of brain fog and feeling lost. And so and just to to and pain. Yeah. So just to validate and acknowledge that like, yep, that's part of grief. Yeah. Yeah. And we know and, and of course, as we've grown up, we don't want to do that <laughs> for some reason. I yeah. guess back in the day, they they wanted to be tough or something. I don't know. Did people mm-hmm. die of grief? I don't know. I don't know either. I know we could die of a heartache. Yeah. Which I guess is kind of grief. Um, yeah. So I guess we could in, in many ways. Hmm. Wasn't there... Um, it wasn't Chris Christopherson, but I'm trying to think of an actor who he was in that wheelchair. He was, um, he had a tube in his throat and his wife, he passed away. And then his wife passed away like six months later of mm, cancer. Superman? Yeah. It was like Superman. It was one of the actors from that. Oh, I don't I know. Think of his name. 
Um, but to me, that always, you know, just was like a sign that mm. I'm sure she just went through that so much grief, heartache and pain that it didn't, it gives you, if you don't deal with it, it gives you something else to look at, right? Like cancer or something. Yeah. I mean, I'm not a doctor and stress is, uh, you know, grief, grief can manifest as stress in your body and, um, can get your nervous system like hyped up. So, um, yeah, I'm a big proponent of processing your emotions. Yes. Which we I mean, don't want to do. But not a medical doctor. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I know, but you know, stress and pain does all sorts of crazy things to us. Right? For sure. Mm -hmm. But th so thank you so much for coming on our show today. It was, it was great talking about this topic, which we never talk enough about. Um, yeah, honestly, oh, just, I could talk about it every week, I think. Yeah, I, I'm, I appreciate you having me on and making space to talk about grief and loss. I think I agree. I don't think we just in general, it's not talked about enough. And so no. I'm a big fan of space for grief and loss. That's for sure. So don't go anywhere, Amy. Um, we're just going to have a little um, finishing of our show and um, don't go anywhere. And we'll make sure that we can, um, you know, do more about these videos. Please, you know, like, share and subscribe to our channel so that we can make sure that we stay here. Um, it's going into our fourth year already. I can't believe it. So there are people out there that are enjoying this, I think just because of that. Um, I wanted to um, also just quickly talk about that, you know, we're not Superman. We might act like we are. We just talked about Superman. Nothing's going to happen to us, but there is going to be something that will happen to us, whether it's close to you or to you. Um, you know, these changes happened in the last two years that we could really see um, all the tragedies in the world uh, between the shootings in the schools and the streets and the work accidents and the car accidents and overdoses and the pandemic. It's not to mention the crazy wars that we have to deal with and the natural disasters. Um, but there is a light that if we are better prepared going into something, it's not as difficult. And I could really see that with my own mom losing my father, um, that if she had have just taken some time and done some work with him beforehand, that it would have made her life a lot easier. But she didn't look at it. And she knew it was there and it was coming. But it's just somehow the older people, they just, it's not there they're just getting old. There's nothing else. <laughs> I don't know what that is, but I, I, I think it's just gets to a point where it's just too late at that moment. And, and there's, they're just not going to do anything. So, which I've dealt with, with clients. Um, so if you are thinking of that special someone right now, watching the show, you know, um, you don't know how many birthdays you're going to have left. So make sure that you pick up the phone. We still have phones or knock on their door or um, go on Zoom or FaceTime them or whatever it is, but make sure you tell them how much you love and care about them today because you don't know what tomorrow's going to bring. 
And that being said, you know, I always end with Carol Burnett. I'm sure you remember who Carol Burnett is. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm so glad we had this time to gather just to have a laugh or sing a song. Seems we just get started. And before you know it, comes a time we have to say so long. So long, everybody. Thank you, Dr. Amy, for coming on our show. You're a beautiful soul that's helping souls. So that's a good thing. And her information is all down below in the description box. So thank you so much. Thank you, Tina. And um, everybody expect the unexpected and stay safe and be kind. Till next week. See you soon. <laughs>